So restoration is about four and a half years old now, uh, which is uh, really shocking to me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a delight. It's, it's, a, it's just uh, the Lord has done great things among us. Um, Yes, amen. So as, as some of you might know, uh, that one of, the, one of the challenges in planting a church is picking a name out for the church. Uh, it's kind of like naming a baby, you know, like you don't want to mess this one up. <laughs> uh, you know, th- this is a permanent decision that will affect people's perceptions for quite a long time. And I remember the conversations that Molly and I were having before planting restoration very, very clearly. Uh, we were tossing out, you know, the names of various saints or uh, other popular names that are out there. Uh, I, I almost thought about sharing some of those concepts with you all, but there's, there's names in our cities that are, that are named these things that I thought were great and Molly kind of shot down, you know, not, not to make Molly out to be the bad guy. Uh, <laughs> in fact, in fact, Um, I remember when we were sitting in our kitchen, brainstorming, and it was Molly who said, what about the name Restoration? And we had heard of another Anglican church named Restoration out in D.C., and we really admired it. Um, You know, but when I heard the name of that church, I was like, that's a silly name for a church, you know? (laughs) Um, But when she said it, it just resonated with both of us. Uh, Leading up to these conversations, and even as we were contemplating going into church planting, uh, we had been reflecting on our own personal stories and how God had showed up in our own lives, uh, in our own complicated uh, home environments. Uh, He had shown up in those moments. And also how we had been previously hurt by other uh, leaders uh, in the church, unfortunately, and that's, that's another story for another day. But we had spent a a decent season in our life wondering, you know, maybe we're just not even going to go back into ministry again. But in each of these circumstances, the Lord had shown up. And he was not put off by our brokenness. He had not been put off by our mistakes or our complicated histories. And so when Molly said, what about restoration? We both knew that this was it. That was gonna be the name of this church. And even as I look among you, and uh, over the years, several of us have have, have had uh, conversations, we've sat down, and you know, it's almost cliche at this point how many pastoral conversations I have with people, and it concludes with someone saying, maybe this is why God has brought me to a church named Restoration. Uh, I know that this is a theme, uh, an idea that has resonated with many of you as well. You see, God is in the business of restoring lives. He does it over and over and over again. Uh, Embedded in the word restoration is, and this is not etymologically appropriate, I realize that, but I I love thinking of it as a restoryization of our histories, of our our lives. God picks up the the frazzled, broken, um, unraveled stories of our lives and he weaves them into the wholeness and the beauty and the goodness of his story. And just as God has done that throughout many of our lives here in this room, God also does that with the entire cosmos. There is a day in which he will make all things new. The Bible tells us that this is is the direction, this is the purpose, this is where all of creation is heading. It's the culmination of the gospel. He is going to restore all things. Every atom of creation is going to be realigned reimagined, reconfigured, and repurposed for his restorative love. 
So what does this mean? What does this look like? Well, I want us to look at Revelation 21. We've been preaching through uh, the lectionary passages of Revelation throughout this Easter season, uh, and this this is the final bit. This is the final chapter here in Revelation 21. I've got three truths for us to ponder from this passage, the God who restores all things. So in 21 verse 1, John writes, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And then he continues, he says, I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride for her husband. See, God is restoring the entire world. He is preparing for us a restored world. You know what's interesting to me? And perhaps this is a little pedantic. Maybe this is a little basic. But there's still an up and a down. Ever thought about that? Maybe not. Maybe that's just me. Like there's still sky. There's still earth here. There's still movement. There's still activity. There's things that are still going from there to here. And so my point is that this isn't an entirely uh, alien new way of being. You know, this isn't like some sort of uh, Buddhist notion where our souls are going to be drawn up into this like nebulous sort of ether, you know, or it's not like an atheistic notion where we're just snuffed out entirely. Uh, This isn't some sort of like disembodied experience. No, the Christian understanding is it is it is a restoration of this world. You see, it is complex. There is sky and there is ground. But also there's a city, which implies that there are places that are not city. There's still going to be field and forest. There's still going to be uh, lilies. There's still going to be lakes, praise the Lord, right? As as Minnesotans, we we like that. (laughs) There's still gonna be fishing, uh, praise the Lord. But also a city uh, implies that there is a, a complex society who is here. Yes, there is newness, but there will also be a familiarity in the new creation. And this is where God is in his restored world. In verse three, we hear that there is a loud voice. The dwelling place of God is now with mankind. So his presence is not limited to a tabernacle or to a temple like it was in the Old Testament. But now the beauty and the power of his presence is experienced everywhere. It is what illuminates everything. By his light, we get to see all that is around us. Last week, we preached on Revelation 7, and we looked at some of these same themes, right? Uh, In in Revelation 7, we also hear things like the, the sea was no more, which is to say chaos is contained. Evil is set aside. It is put away. But also, he wipes away all of our tears. That is, the scars of your body and on your soul will be healed finally. So God is making a restored world. It is complex, it is beautiful, it is worthy of our eternal exploration, and he will dwell with his people, protecting us with his power and and healing us. So next, our attention is focused upon God and the Lamb. So in Revelation uh, 21, chapter, uh, verse 22, we see that the new city is illuminated by the glory of God. In verse 24, it says that by the light of his glory, all nations will walk. And then we have this beautiful image of the kings of the earth bringing the glory of their nations before the Lord. Andy Crouch, in his book on culture making, he he speculates on this. He, He loves this passage. He says, what if these are cultural artifacts 
from all the various nations that, that people are coming and, and bringing as a part of their worship before the throne. Here we see people making their pilgrimages to Jerusalem, bringing their stories, their artwork, their music into the heavenly city and sharing it with everyone. Uh, Bart, when he preached on, the, on uh, I forget what, I think it was Revelation 5, but he, he cheated a little bit and he skipped ahead to this passage and he shared a beautiful illustration. I really enjoyed it, but I thought, ugh, I'm gonna be preaching that in a few weeks, Bart. Uh, but he talked about uh, this story of, um, with, with his work, he interacts a lot with Christians around the world and he, he shared this story of these dancers in Africa who were um, just covered in this elaborate, brightly colored attire and they were worshiping in this sort of synchronized, sort of complex dance. And he, he thought, you know, that's gonna be part of the glory that comes from the nations, that, that this, our worship is going to be restored and we're going to be able to experience and see and witness all of this glory from around the world. The worship is going to be multi-ethnic. It's going to be complex. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, just this last week, uh, myself and, and several of you were at uh, this 40th anniversary celebration of Anselm, uh, Anselm House. How many of you, were, Sam, you were there. We, we sat next to each other. It was a lovely time, wasn't it? It's a great time. Uh, one of the things that, that really struck me is uh, there was a Baptist speaker. Uh, there was a Catholic, a Roman Catholic, because uh, we consider ourselves Catholic as well, but he was a Roman Catholic uh, who opened us up in prayer. Uh, there was an Eastern Orthodox gentleman uh, who shared his testimony, and, and it was just a beautiful reminder to me of all the various traditions of Christianity, and it was just a little glimpse of what we're going to be seeing in this restored worship, in the new creation. But it's also going to be a holy place. The only thing that disqualifies you from entering into this holy city is sin. You see, God is on a mission to eradicate all evil and trauma and sin and scars from our own lives and from the world. By Jesus' death and resurrection, the victory over sin is achieved. And so either a person trusts in the crucified Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, or they are excluded from this. And this is a warning to us all. Uh, the invitation is for us all, but, but he wants, the Lord wants us to experience that forgiveness of sins so that we can come and participate in this heavenly scene. As Jesus says in John 8, if you do not believe that I am he, that is the Son of God, then you will die in your sins. Then you will not participate in this heavenly worship. You see, what we see here is restored, multicultural, redeemed, global worship that is also holy and safe and good. There are no corrupt shepherds here. There are no hungry wolves here. By the blood of the lamb, the danger of sin has been removed. So secondly, we are restored for worship. So in 22, verse one, this is our third section, well, the, the story of the Bible begins in a garden, but it's lovely and beautiful and epic that it also concludes in a garden as well. And this is a Trinitarian scene. I, I don't know if you caught this, but we see that God the Father is sitting on the throne alongside God, uh, or the Lamb, who is God the Son, and then proceeding from bo both the Father and the Son is the river of life who represents the Holy Spirit or as we say in our creed every week, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. This is a beautiful image of what we recite in the creed every week. At the center of this new creation is God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Originally, God, a couple of years ago, created Adam and Eve as his representatives on earth. And he charged them to name the animals, to steward creation, to explore and bring order to the world that he had created. This was their act of worship and of work. And in God's restored world, we see that the tree of life is there. We see that then, and it is also, it makes its appearance here in the new creation as well. The tree of life is there, and it is fruitful for all 12 months, and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. In other words, I think what we can glean from this is there's still going to be work to do. There will still be a need for distributing good food, that is the fruit of the tree. Just to be sure, I'm, I'm, or I, I don't know, I mean, I, who am I to, to speculate on this, but I, I think there's going to be other good food there as well, not just fruit, so uh, hopefully there'll still be steak and, you know, good, good heroes and stuff like that, you know, um, which is what I had for lunch yesterday. It was wonderful. But anyway, there's still going to be a distribution of good food, and there's also going to be an administration of healing in the new world. So not only are we restored for worship, but we're also restored for work. And what is this work going to look like in the new creation? What in the world is it going to look like, right? Well, in a, in a restored world, there, you know, God, it, 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 we're, we see here that God has removed all evil and suffering from the world. So what sort of work would there still need to be uh, to do? Well, elsewhere in the scriptures, we're told that God delegates his authority, his uh, ability to judge. He delegates that to his men and women. So perhaps in this new creation, as people whose hearts are pure, as people whose minds are wise, and as people whose imaginations are creative, what if we're being asked to bring true, lasting, good, genuine reconciliation between all the fractured uh, communities of the world, between different people groups, between different nations, Maybe as individuals, we'll, we'll be um, purified, and, and now we're actually going to be equipped and ready to, to rectify and heal all the bad things that have happened among creation. Perhaps there will be true, lasting, and genuine fruitfulness of our creation. So let's just, I don't know, let's, let's wonder here for a little bit. Let's play with this for a little bit. Like, what if those of you who practice law right now, what if you were able to actually hear genuine, true, testimony from witnesses. It wasn't corrupted by um, uh, faulty memories or ulterior motives. And what if based on that, you're able to uh, administer true, pure justice in a way that satisfies all parties and causes great rejoicing and restoration that's able to happen, that people are actually glad and peace actually is permeated by the decisions that are made. Or what if those who are in the medical profession, what if you're able to properly see people's scars and you're able to set them right, knowing that what you set right will, have, will be set right forever, that those scars will be healed forever, that the bodies will be healed forever because they're not subject to corruption and corroding and deterioration? Or what if those of you who are in uh, the fields of science and technology are able to build things that are good and not addictive and crazy, <laughs> but are able to build things that, that cause us to 
Go, maybe this is cheesy to say, but to be able to go boldly where no person has ever gone before. <laughs> like, what if, what if that's the role of technology in the new creation, is to go and explore all the various nooks and crannies and corners and planets and, and systems of this universe? And you could be a part of that. How exciting would that be? And those of you in the hospitality industries, what if we're able to distribute food that is actually life-giving and complex and causes us to worship and enjoy the, uh, the Lord all the more. Just as our eyes behold the beauty of creation, what if our mouths were able to taste the goodness and the joy of creation as well? Does the fruit from the tree of life taste the same in summer as it does in winter? I don't know, let's find out. <laughs> it's gonna be great. And those of you who are maybe sevens on the Enneagram and like to change your job every two years or so, it's great because you're gonna have all of eternity to try out all the various elements of, of human redemption. What, does it, what is the fullness of a human life going to look like and what sort of abilities are you gonna be able to test out and explore and enjoy and then find something else to enjoy? So in the restored world, we are going to enjoy restored work and it will be good. Um, Derek, I noticed that one of the questions that you like to ask is, what are the heart songs of this congregation? Uh, in other words, what are the songs that we sing loudly to? Not just because they're catchy or nostalgic, uh, but because they resonate with the real experiences of real people. Well, I want our congregation to have heart scriptures as well. And that's not to say that that's, you know, there's some Bible passages that are better than others. That's not what I'm saying. But there's certain stories that resonate with us as restoration here in Minneapolis in 2022. What I mean by that are, are Bible passages that, res that resonate with our history, with our vision, with our church in a special way. So for example, I think about John 21, uh, that passage that we taught on in that first Easter service almost five, over five years ago now, um, that Easter service was that preview service, that story of Jesus making breakfast for the disciples and then pulling Peter aside, who was completely ashamed and broken of the things that he had done, and, and Jesus restoring him back to a place of purpose and peace. But I also think of that story from John 4 when uh, Jesus meets the woman at the well, which is depicted in a wood carving um, that was, uh, that, that's just around the wall back there. But it's a story where this woman is trying to hide in her shame and her sorrow, but Jesus restores to her dignity. He restores to her a place of honor in the community. Uh, they're able to celebrate and, and enjoy fellowship with one another again. You know, these are scriptures that exemplify our heart for the Lord who restores all things and all people. Well, Revelation 21, I want to be for us one of these heart passages, you know, because this is the end game. This is where the gospel is taking us. This is where we should have our eyes fixed. So when this world gets absolutely crazy, when we're disappointed by our leaders, when um, the, it seems like everything is falling apart, we can remember the goodness and the beauty and the power and the peace that exists in this passage. You know, we live in a society that has a very different view of where the world is heading. We live in a society that believes that all of creation, if they call it creation, is eventually going to burn out. Uh, it's gonna lose its energy. It's gonna get very cold eventually, and everything will essentially stop. But the Christian believes that the same God who spoke everything into existence is going to tenderly and gently restore this world to be a beautiful home. 
Our society believes that individual passions are king, that they rule everything. If you want it, you should have it, whether it's power, whether it's stuff, or whether it's other human beings. Your ability to satisfy your passions will determine your degree to happiness, our world says. But the Christian believes that one day our hearts will be transformed, our hearts will be fully cleansed, and we'll be able to see God purely and beautifully and holy, and his presence will allow us to see everything as the way in which he truly intended it. In our present age, work of the human race is corrupt. It wears down and breaks our own bodies. It pollutes our world. It scars the earth. We purchase, we consume, and we're never, ever satisfied. But for the Christian, there will be a day in which we participate in the healing acts of God Almighty, when we will participate with him in healing and ordering and exploring and stewarding this creation. We will find, we will create, and we will share with all for the glory of God. So join us. Join us. Here at Restoration, we want to live into these spiritual realities now. We want this community to be a foretaste of those heavenly realities that we will experience all for reality or all for eternity. May our worship and our work here and throughout the week, wherever you may be, may, um, may our worship and our work be signs and evidence of things to come because Jesus Christ is alive. He is here and now working among us, moving us, inspiring us, shaping us more and preparing us more for these heavenly realities. He is the one who sits upon the throne and says, behold, I am making all things new. Write this down for these words are trustworthy and these words are true. Please pray with me. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Overwhelm us with your glory. Show us more of who you are. Continue to restore us, Lord, and shape us into your likeness. Not only for our sake, and not only for the sake of this community here, but for the sake of the world, Lord Jesus. May people come and see that here all things are being made new. What has been cast down is being lifted up. May it be so, Lord. In your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.